0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome along to another episode of Euro Tales. We're up to episode five. Every club in European football and the regions that contribute to the continents' footballing pyramids. Has a story to tell, and we're gonna tell it to you, proud friends, through a medium of experts and passionate fans in the know. We've a jam-packed episode featuring some of the finest footballing minds in the cosmos. Chapter one: We're off to France to explore a side awash with talent and potential. Stad René, Ren. We're joined by a passionate and knowledgeable Liga 1 expert, Baptiste Renard, from La Classique Pod. Baptiste also features heavily on the official Liga 1 podcast and Breaking the Lines. In chapter 2, we are off to Germany to explore the Wolfs of the Bundesliga, Wolfsburg, through the eyes. The expertise of Adam Kahn. Wolfsburg are one of those sides that when they hit their stride, they are a formidable force. Adam is a German football consultant and scout. We end the show back in the UK with a deep dive peruse at Hull City with the magnificent Nathaniel Whittingham from the excellently named to Hull and Back podcast. Hullsily are now under Turkish ownership and come equipped with an exciting young manager in Liam Rossinia. Let's go. Euro-dales. That, in France, Rennes ended the Liga 1 season with a flourish to emerge from the chasing pack and grab fourth place. Bruno Genizio's men ignited into form, winning their last four games in a row. Is it a sign of things to come? But overall, their season was one of underachievement given the amount of star power that is within their squad. An injury to striker Martin Terrier, who was on the cusp of breaking into the French international squad, in many ways derailed their season. The 26-year-old striker was on course for 20 Ligue 1 goals until he succumbed to injury in early January. He'd already blasted 9 goals from 16 games, boasting an impressive 1.7 goals a game average. Will a clean bill of health and reinforce with more exciting new signings in Enzo Lafi and Ludovic Bla, Could next season be the one where they finally catch fire? Let's hear from Baptiste Renard, a French football expert and historian from La Classique pod. Over to you, Baptiste.
2: So, first of all, who are Rennes, right? They're the team from the capital of Brittany in the northwest of France. And they've been owned since '98 by the Pinot family and they're holding company Artemis. Pino, the Pinot family is one of the wealthiest family in France and they own brands such as Balenciaga, Yves Saint Laurent, Christie's and some of the most famous and recognizable brands in France. Despite that financial backing, they've been perennial inconsistent underachievers in Ligue 1 for decades. But they have been working solidly behind the scenes for those years since the Pinot acquisition, investing in their academy out of which the likes of Ousmane Dembele, Eduardo Camavinga, Matisse Tell, now at Bayern Munich, Adrien Tuffer and now Désiré Doué and Mohamed Omari have come through the ranks. And their strategy has been to buy up-and-coming players for good resale value and development. Since finishing third in 2019-2020, they've been even more ambitious embarking on important transfers in Liga, such as the likes of Amin Guiri and Arnaud Kalimwendo and abroad with the likes of Arthur Théat and much fancied Jérémy Doku, who's been linked with a €50 million move away from France this summer. They have kept to that model over the last few years, led as well by manager Bruno Genesio, who's nicknamed derisively Pep Genesio in France uh, for his uh, tactical acumen, let's put it that way. So how did Rennes fare last season? Well, they finished 4th. They finished very strongly, but again, it felt slightly underwhelming. That's because PSG were gettable, and when you look at, at the side that Lance put out and OM put out, they could have easily finished in the top three in my book. Now, they, never, they were never outside the top six from the halfway point of the season after a, a tough start, Um but their attacking potential was very, very strong. And they played some really, really good football on De who likes his teams to play enthusiastic, forward-thinking football and who's been confirmed at the helm of the club for a third consecutive season. Having said that, Rennes did have limitations last year. Defensively, especially at set pieces, they were often left exposed. Arthur Theat started becoming a bit of a leader But there was a lack of balance and equilibrium in the side. Their midfield being very attacking uh, and lacking sort of a a defensive uh, player in the midfield to shield the back four. They also often struggled against rivals or better sides except for an impressive win against PSG. And that's kind of what it led to their undoing, it feels like. Now, having said that, on their day, last season they were one of the most entertaining and fluid sides in France. And you have to say their efforts to build with youngsters should be commended. So, will they break through this year and maybe finish higher than, than fourth? It kind of feels like a make-or-break season um, this year for for multiple reasons. One is, Genizio's, this is Ginezio's third season, and there have been critics aimed at him over the last few years for his failure to really nurture that talent and need it higher to, than fourth. Um and there's also a lack of leadership in the side. Now, they've lost captain Amari Traoré, who, in my view, was one of France's uh, Ligue best right-backs, who's left for Sociedad on the free. And apart from Steve Mandando in goal, there are no real old heads in there, or players who take on that mantle. And that, you can see that in the spine of the side, in defence, midfield, and up top. These are all young players, relatively inexperienced, and who have never been asked previously or at hand to take on leadership roles but having said that we should be really enthusiastic about hen and my view is that they are uh, armed to break into the top 3 they have continuity with a lot of their players and most um, most importantly they have a ton of talent for liga especially in midfield and going forward benjamin bourrijo is one of the most unrated, underrated midfielders in liga Martin Terrier, who was excellent before his injury last season, is, will likely come back. Désiré Doué is a really high t- highly rated youngster. And up top, Arnaud Calimundo is bound to have a better season than last year. And Amin Guiri, in my view, is one of the most talented young forwards in France. On top of that, they are looking to add to their side and they have the financial power to do so. Ludovic Blas is heavily rumoured to be moving to Rennes, And considering his last two seasons for struggling not, that's an impressive transfer for Rennes. But maybe more importantly and more impressively is the strong rumour that great young midfielder from Lorient, Enzo Le Fay, is looking to move to Rennes before moving abroad. And that would be a huge, huge get for Rennes and will bring even more fluidity to their midfield. On top of that, another reason to be uh, enthusiastic about Rennes is that most of their players are obviously one year older. And whilst I've talked about the inexperience in the side, you know, the likes of Arthur Theat in particular in the second half of last season grew in, in stature and are looking to push on with in their leadership roles. So that's something to look forward to. Now, will they do it? Will their inexperience count against them? Or will uh, they finally break through under Pep Genesio? My feeling is third or even second is definitely gettable at the moment in Niga and the Rennes are one of the most well-armed side in the country to really, really aim at that. Anything below fifth will be a huge disappointment but will maybe bring with it a change of manager and someone more able to actually nurture that talent and take it to the next level.
1: Merci beaucoup Baptiste. As you can see, he is our fountain of knowledge about French football, not just Wren but everyone else too Wren were strong at home last season, claiming fifteen wins and Amassing 45 points in the process. In Europe, too, they're unbeaten at Rose Park. Genesio is the first coach of Rennes to secure European qualification three seasons in a row. Since his arrival in March 2021, he boasts a win ratio of 55%. No coach has equaled his record in Rennes for 120 years. The Genesio method. It's said to infuse a high level of camaraderie in his playing squad. His tactics are born out of attack. Attack is the best form of defence. His side rarely conjures stalemates. Mates, excuse me, stalemates. They had only five draws from 38 League 1 games last season. Rengo for the win rather than sit in the fence or their laurels. Sometimes they fall on the sword, but boy is it entertaining when they get on a surge. Their summer preparation for the League 1 season culminates with three friendlies against English opposition. They face West Ham at the end of the month, followed by Knots Forest and Wolves. Keep an eye on them next season. The recruitment drive thus far indicates they will be one of the most exciting sides to watch in France next season. Baptiste, thank you so much. He is regularly featured, as we mentioned on the official League One podcast and Breaking the Lines. Links to his Twitter handle and his terrific Le Classique pod is in the show notes. You're listening to Eurotales, where European football stories are explored one at a time. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. Now, who's afraid of the big bad wolves of Wolfsburg? We're off to Germany. Wolfsburg are a side that struggle to find consistency. They personified the stigma associated with a mid-table dweller. Last season, they finished in eight. Funny enough, Le Quip reported in recent days that Wolfsburg bid for one of Rennes' players, Lovo Maia, the Croatian playmaker, is expected to part ways with Rennes this summer, following an underwhelming campaign by his usually high standards. Wolfsburg's initial bid is said to be some way short of Rennes' expectation of €25 million. Let's get a lowdown on this German club with German football consultant and journalist Adam Kahn.
3: Hey guys, my name's Adam Kahn. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. I'm a German football consultant and German football journalist. And yeah, it's really nice to be on here to talk about a super interesting side in German football, Fall of And Wolfsburg historically aren't necessarily the most flashy club. They don't have a huge fan base. They're, of course, owned by Volkswagen. So... Not necessarily an external investor, but still something that goes against kind of the ethos of German football. But on the pitch, they've been they've been in a sort of rebuild phase since last summer. They had a new manager come in in a familiar Bundesliga face in the form of Nico Kovac. Nico Kovac, of course, was a, a player in the Bundesliga for quite some time, born in Berlin, also played for Hertha Berlin and. One of the biggest jobs he had was at Eintracht Frankfurt, where he brought them to the Europa League and also won the dfb with them, beating his next employer, FC Bayern, in the final. FC Bayern, of course, a a spell which, although he did win the league, didn't necessarily end in his favour. Probably the lasting legacy from the time was his decision to develop a talent like Alfonso Davies and put him at left-back, a position where he's really come into his own as one of the world's best. But... He never really found his way with the big bosses at Bayern, who ultimately saw his exit almost just over a year on. And after that, he he went to Monaco, had a strong face there before returning to the Bundesliga with Wolfsburg. And this is where he's been a real project manager, really rebuilding a side from one of the oldest in the divisions to one of the youngest. And like I said, that started last summer with a remarkable transfer window. They brought in six players and... The average age amongst these players was 20.6 years old so a really really young squad one which had its phase at the beginning of last season where they really struggled for example niko kovac almost looked to be on the out after not even winning any of his first five matches in the league, but he did turn it around almost for for a little while after the world cup being in contention for a championship place and then ultimately finishing a respectable ninth place just one point shy of either Conference League or Europa League qualification. And yeah, Lenniko Kovac is still at the helm this season. And they'll be looking to build upon that with some pretty interesting signings to to kick off the summer. Two bets have come in, the former being Mort Jens. Jens is a, a familiar face to Bundesliga fans. He was at FC Schalke on loan for the remainder of, of the second half of the season. And though he only played 11 games, he was one of the standout center bats in the entire league campaign. His arrival in, in Gales and Kirshen was transformative. I mean, he took a side that was leaking goals with with out any comparison to actually one of the best def- defenses in the league for the second half of the season. So, yeah, he's a pretty stellar recruit who will help iron out a defense, which was already pretty good last season. And a second centre-back is um Cedric Sesiga, a uh, slightly more unknown name to fans of the Bundesliga, but still a player who comes with quite a reputation. He was at Young Boys Band for the past few seasons, where he also won the Swiss top flight last year. And he's also a full Swiss international. He's gotten two caps for, for the full Swiss national team, and is quite the addition to to a club which has operated quite often with Swiss players in the past. We looked at Renato Stefan, for example, who Recently left from Wolfsburg back to Luzern, or Kevin and Babu, who many will remember from his time at Fulham last season, and then finally to to round it off. Of course, we're still in July, so still a lot of movement potentially to happen this window. But um, Václav Serny has arrived in Wolfsburg. He's an interesting Czechian talent from from Twente, where he scored ten goals and assisted ten plus assists in the previous Eredivisie season. So another player to to aid an attack which may be having one of its biggest departures. That would be the name of Felix Nemeche, a player who has often been in the headlines for quite the wrong reasons. He's a very public figure on Instagram, often allowing his pretty Christian views to, or I would say radical Christian views, to kind of go out to the public with his stance towards gay rights, his stance towards homosexuality, to transgenderism, and... It's it's a it's a big question mark, of course, in, in the digital age, how these players really present themselves on on a platform where they have a huge amount of followers and not only represent themselves, but of course the clubs that they pay play for. And he looks to be on the move to to Borussia Dortmund almond for a really staggering price tag of thirty five million, which is is quite remarkable for, for Wolfsburg. Of course it's a huge sum which they'll be happy to take, but it, it leaves a few question marks surrounding why Dalton are willing to give out so much for a player who is still quite untested. I mean, this was his first season as a regular starter in any major league. And despite being 23 in a few months, he's just played his first season now with over 350 minutes of, of first-tier league football. So, of course, that's a question mark in and of itself. And the other factor is that, okay, I mean, he ended the season with respectable 10-goal contributions, but Primarily, these came from a hot streak between October and November, where in six games, he scored two goals and four assists. So, actually, after the World Cup, where the large portion of the Bundesliga season took place, Mitchell was actually not even a very good figure in this full squad. He was playing often, but pretty periphery in, in the attacking third. In 16 matches, which he played in since the World Cup, he contributed only one goal and two assists. So... It's it's not really surprising that with such a price tag that Stallman's willing to pay, Wolfsburg would be more than keen to let him go. And I think also when we look at the arrivals, we see, of course, two center backs arriving in the squad, and it almost seems inevitable that at least one, if not two, center backs will be leaving. I think the first one, which would seems almost almost certain at this point, just a price tag needs to be agreed on, is Mickey Van de we see, of course, uh, Jörg Schmuckke, Wolfsburg's former sporting director. He has gone to Liverpool. And I think Mickey Ven is a player he would be looking forward to bringing over to Anfield as well. An excellent young centre-back who played every single minute bar one game in last season. He's versatile. He can play left centre-back. He can play left-back. He's an excellent ball carrier. He's athletic, physically imposing. So, yeah, quite the talented, talented centre-back just 22 years old. And then a player who's slightly fallen under the radar despite his talents is Monsens-Lacroix. Lacroix was signed from um, from France a few years ago and as a teenager already established himself as a, as a key component of Allsport's squad that was playing Champions League football at the time. He's 23 now, but still a big, big talent who is still able to attract quite a bit of interest from clubs in England, clubs in Italy, clubs back home in France. So... I don't think it's out of the blue to see Lacroix and, and Wolfsburg cut ties this season if, if the right offer comes in. And as we mentioned, there's still quite a while to go in this summer window, but one player who who I immediately look at as being one to watch for next season is the, the brilliant Austrian winner Patrick Wimmer. I think Wimmer was one of the most exciting summer transfers of last season's Bundesliga. He signed from Amin Abilafet, who were relegated to the second Bundesliga at that period and was able to then be brought in for, for quite a cutthroat fee. And he's definitely repaid that with eight goals and four assists last season. And really just, just a brilliant, brilliant young talent. He's a 1v1 specialist, has a lot of creativity and eye for teammates in the final third. Good set piece ability as well. And even these, these intangible aspects like his his mentality and his determination, defensive phases, it really sets him apart. So Yeah, I see him playing an even bigger role than he had this season and and being one of the key components for a Wolfsburg side who will look to be challenging for for a return to Europe next season.
1: Thank you, Adam. Adam's thriller handle is in the show notes. He's also prominent in his Bundesliga coverage via his magnificent substack, the German Football Weekly Newsletter. It's a must-have for all your German football needs. That's in the show notes too. Wolfsburg started last season in a dreadful manner. They went from being one of the worst sides in the division to just missing out on European qualification on the final day. They gathered just five points from their opening seven matches and found themselves in the relegation zone. The new manager, Niko Kovac, was lucky at times to keep his job, but as the season progressed, his methods began to bear fruit. Runs of unbeaten streaks meant the Wolves remarkably found themselves in European contention. On the final match day they were in seventh, with a two point advantage over Frankfurt. They only had to overcome an already relegated Hertha Berlin at home, knowing Frankfurt had a tricky game with Christian strikes Freiburg to overcome. Walsberg were firmly in the driving seat of their own destiny, but bizarrely, the Wolves choked, losing to her side, which fielded a host of youngsters in a nothing game for them. The Wolves took a seventh minute lead and ended up losing 2 1. Frankfurt beat Freiburg and robbed Kovacs' side of a European berth. A season of Wallifs but also one that may indicate there is some potential for Kovac and Welsberg this season. They cannot start as bad as they did again. Perhaps the Kovac renaissance will truly kick into gear this season. Euro-tels. Now, to England. To an ambitious club from the north, Hull City. The Tigers are a bit of a wild card. They're an intriguing proposition, hoping to get a golden ticket to the promised land of the Premier League. Aren't we all? Last summer saw an influx of new players, many of whom were little-known imports from foreign shores. The biggest success story from these foreign boys was probably Oscar Estubenberg. The once-capped Colombian striker hit the ground running, banging 13 goals in his debut championship season. The 26-year-old will be a core ingredient if Hull are to enter the playoff equation this season. But with his success comes praying eyes. They will be hoping to retain the hotshot who is naturally attracting attention from championship rivals and abroad. The exotic recruitment policy that Hull employs makes them one of the hardest teams to predict but one of the most exciting to watch when they get it right. The Turkish owner has stated his ambition very clearly. It is to get the club to the Premier League. Not only that, in a recent interview he stated he wants Hull City to be as big as Arsenal. In recent days their transfer links have been heating up. But more to... Local resources, they've been linked to Sheffield United stalwart Billy Sharp, who is available for free transfer. Hull are currently on a pre-season tour of Turkey, where their owner is from. Let's hear from the man in the know, Nathaniel Whittingham, from the fantastically named Hull & Back podcast.
0: Hello, this is Nathaniel from the To Halenbach podcast giving some thoughts on uh, how I think we're going to do this season. Uh, although, of course, that all depends on the transfer window. Now, last season we signed, I think, a total of 20 or maybe 22 players, including uh, because of our insane injury crisis, a few academy players that then became first team players. So this season under Liam Senior, who's uh, steadied the ship, um, and, and going into our second season with uh, a new owner, Ajanila Jella, we're looking to have a much more positive season. A playoff push for pretty much maybe two-thirds of the clubs in the league is, you know, a dream or uh, a legitimate aspiration, and we're going to be one of those teams that is hoping to get into the playoffs. Um, so we're going to be signing, I think, six players. We've already got Liam Delap on loan for Man City, a striker, and goal-scoring was definitely one of our issues last year. Um, towards the end of the season, even though we did have uh, no-fit strikers for the last eight games, uh, even so, uh, scoring goals was sort of a problem, and um, there are a few rumours that Oscar Estepinian, the top goalscorer, might be leaving for uh, financial fair play reasons, but... If he does stay, um, and we've got uh, Liam Dallapp, maybe Aaron Connolly uh, back from Brighton on loan again, um, who scored uh, two goals in five games for us before again getting injured like many of our new signings did last year. And then we've also got Ben Tete, who's a, a big Ghanaian striker. Um, so those would be four excellent uh, strike options. Um, we're also looking to sign a left-back. It could be Ruben Vinagre from, uh, I think, is it Wolves or uh, Sporting Lisbon. He is a young Portuguese left-wing back who's had a few injury issues, and that's one thing that Lima has, seen, he has said that he wants to sort out in his recruitment, um, especially last year. We signed a lot of players, not only to be signed a lot, but a lot to hadn't had a proper pre-season and that's why we had a lot of injury issues last year. So I think Nagare and Delap on loan to start and then maybe Connolly uh not soon after or not long after. That would be a very good start um to the transfer window. I don't know whether we'd need many players after that. You can always do a midfielder or uh, maybe a, a, a backup defender to cover and um, the imminent departure of Tobias Figueiredo who we signed from uh, Nottingham Forest last year we thought we'd be getting a no-nonsense centre-back but he was utterly dreadful Uh, so he's probably going to be going uh, somewhere else where he can actually get game time because um, we we do look to be bringing in another defender because he's going to be leaving Um, so we'd be getting a, a goalkeeper as well um, we've got Matt Ingram who did really well last year and then we brought in Carl Darlow on loan from Newcastle in January who was even better. It looks like a lot of clubs are being priced out of him. We've been linked to QPR on, and now Middlesbrough's uh, uh, Dieng, uh, goalkeeper who's uh, I think young and, and looked quite good in some games that I've seen him in but doesn't look like we're going to be getting him so I think the main targets uh, now are to get the uh, Connolly and Venagre deals done and then perhaps look to see if we can get a backup defender and uh, a really good quality goalkeeper who can play out with his feet, um, you know, from the back. Because uh, playing out from the back, even though it has cost us a few goals last year and um, almost in pre-season as well in the uh, the two games we've had in Turkey, which we beat Galatasaray and drew with Hatayspor one-one uh, tonight. Um, So uh, playing out from the back is really important to Rossini's system. If we can, you know, keep on the uh, excellent home defensive record and pick up a few clean sheets um, away as we started to do when Sean McLaughlin, the Irish international centre-back, came in um, and the new signings fit into a squad that um, did have a a lot of work to do to kind of gel um, in a a new system and a new manager um, as we did sign all those 20 players, if we can stay good at the back, and um, those two strikers coming on loan, De and and perhaps Aaron Connolly, can get firing along with uh, Oscar Estepinian, who could stay, then we could be in for a very good season. Uh, Of course, that is a little bit of an if and a but. Um, However, I think a lot of City fans are very positive about the upcoming season. Um, I mean, it's very uh, early to predict where we're going to finish, but I think top 10 is definitely... uh, definitely a possibility and i think probably top 10 should be the the lowest or 10th should be the lowest that we should be aiming for uh with all these players that we're, we're going to be signing and that have jordan to the squad uh throughout last season so uh at least top 10 for the whole city and uh that's been nathaniel from the tahlan back podcast
1: thank you nathaniel the link to that fantastic Hull and Back podcast in the show notes to hear more from this exciting club. They're an intriguing proposition and an exciting season, you feel beckons for Hull Silly. infused with the drive and ambition by their owner Asun Isalai, who in recent weeks spread his Turkish delight. To Ireland, he's also procured Shelburne Football Club from Dublin in the League of Ireland. Networks are all the range now in football. Look at the Red Bull model, or the behemoths of the City Group, who have a foot in the door almost e- in every country in the world. Hull fans have endured some disappointing times in recent years. After the excitement evaporated last summer, From the new signings arriving, the club went on to finish in 15th place. But what the table position does not convey is the solidity Liam Rossini brought to the club. He strengthened the defence and conjured a footballing identity. He seems a very knowledgeable football gaffer. One must also note how tight the championship table was last season. Outside of Burnley over only 12 points separated 5th to 15th. Could this season be the one where they challenge at the right end of the championship table again? Akin to Wren and Wolfsburg, they showed signs of promise in spurts last season. The link, as we said, to Nathan's fantastic podcast is in the show notes. Your <laughs> Well, that's all we've got time for. Thank you to all our guests and to you, pod friends, for listening. Thanks for all your support since we kicked off. But if you could please... If you're just a fun time listener, a one time listener, subscribe to the podcast, give us a rating on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on and write a review, please. It means so much to us in the chats. If you see us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, please give us a share or a like, rate and review us, please. That is all we ask and we will continue to grow and bring you the biggest Untold stories in European football through the medium of experts and fans in the know. Until next time, be well. Thanks for listening. Don't miss us between episodes. Simply follow our socials, links in the show notes, or simply search at EuroTales Pod on Twitter.
0: Network.